Jesus, we don't want to rush past this moment because your name is just as powerful today as it was the very day you were raised from the dead. And so what we want to do right now is we want to enjoy your presence for a moment. We are a church that is marked by your presence. And right now what we're feeling inside of our bodies is the way that you created us to feel when we are in the presence of God, surrounded by our sisters and surrounded by our brothers. And what I want to pray for right now, Holy Spirit, is that you would show up and you would show off. We give you freedom now, Holy Spirit, to do whatever you want to do, to say whatever you want to say. And I just personally want to tell you right now, Holy Spirit, I will scrap every plan and every note I've got written down and we'll get out of the way and let you move. You are in control. Father, we worship you for the love you have lavished on us that we might be called the children of God. Jesus, we honor you for your resurrection from the dead. And Holy Spirit, we welcome you to do the work you need to do in us today so that we can walk in the liberation that comes from knowing Christ and Satan. We speak to you now, not with our own authority, but with the authority of Jesus of Nazareth. And we say to you, you are not welcome in God's house. We're God's people. You're real, but you are not Lord. Jesus is Lord. And so Jesus, we lift up your name, and at that name, every demon must flee. The yoke and the bondage of sin is broken, and we are now going to see people set free and saved in Jesus' name. We agree, we believe, and all God's people said amen. amen. All right, clap, 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 shout, shout, shout. And if you can sit down, go ahead and sit down. My name is Clayton. Get to be one of your pastors here. And uh, I want to celebrate something before we get started we just saw in the first gathering at all of our campuses, if you're new to New Spring, we have 14 campuses all over South Carolina, and we just saw 107 people respond to the gospel right here at New Spring Church across South Carolina. And we celebrate that. I expect to see more in this service. We are in a series called No Other Gospel, and I have loved I'm a Bible guy. So being able to go through an entire book of the Bible, chapter by chapter, man, that's in my zone. I love the Bible like I love black coffee, like I love barbecue, like I love college football, like I love my wife. So we're going to open up our Bibles today to Galatians chapter 5. And if you have your New Spring app, download it on your phone. The notes are preloaded on the app. You can open that up right now. And here is the title of my message today. It's simply this, A Better Way to Live. I'm going to show you today from Galatians chapter 5. The Spirit of God is going to illuminate your mind, your heart, open your spiritual eyes, and we're together today going to see a better way to live. We've been talking from Galatians about the difference between the gospel and trying to earn your righteousness some other way. 
And I want to give you the definition again, if you haven't seen it yet, of the gospel. It's going to be on the screens. I want to read it for you. I hope that this will be deep in your heart by the time we close out this series. The gospel is the good news that Jesus died for our sins and rose from the dead so that through faith in him, we can be made right with God and enjoy life with him forever. That's good news. That's the gospel. And we want to make sure that we're clear about the gospel because it is unkind to be unclear, especially about something as important as this. There is no other gospel besides the one that we see in the scriptures. And Paul wrote the letter to the church in Galatia to make sure they understood with great clarity what the gospel was and what the gospel was not. Now in this series, we've talked a lot about keeping the law and not just like the American law, we're talking about the Jewish law that started with the 10 commandments. We've talked a lot about what was going on in Galatia, specifically how so many of the Jews who had put their faith in Jesus were trying to force Gentile Christians, grown men, to get circumcised. Let me tell you a story. How you like that transition? I love our No Ordinary Family. We are made up of some of the weirdest, craziest, most amazing, hilarious people, myself included. I spend a lot of time at the YMCA here in Anderson, South Carolina. It's my home away from home, and I have a lot of interesting conversations at the Y. Some of them on the floor, some of them playing basketball, some of them in the steam room, in the sauna, with all the guys that congregate in there. This past week, an older gentleman who is a part of our New Spring family, and when I say older gentleman, he loves it when I do this. He's 156 years old. Um, fought in the American Revolution, I'm pretty sure. And he always has these, I thought that would be a lot funnier than the way y'all laugh when I said that. He's not offended, so don't be offended on his behalf. Walks up to me in the Y and goes, hey, preacher. And I love that he calls me preacher. Hey, preacher, when are you going to actually tell us what circumcision means? And I said, brother, ask your campus pastor. Now, we understand from this scripture that this was no laughing matter for the Apostle Paul. He was absolutely unwilling to tolerate these people in the church in Galatia that were trying to force new believers to follow rules in order to earn God's love. That's where we're going today. Thursday night at the T.L. Hanna football game, my son Jojo plays on the JV team. And one of my good friends, Jeff Schofield, who's part of this campus here, was sitting directly behind Shari and I, and he tapped me on the shoulder. He goes, I'm excited about hearing you preach on Sunday, uh, Galatians 5, right? I said, yeah. He goes, well, I'm really ready for this message because I am reading in my quiet time now the book of Deuteronomy. Now, if you've never read the book of Deuteronomy, I would encourage you to do it. It's a really good Old Testament book, and if you struggle with insomnia, there are some parts in Deuteronomy. If you'll read it long enough, it'll put you to sleep because it's just so much. I don't mean that to disparage God's word. I mean it is all about the law. And Jeff said this to me at the football game. He said, I'm so thankful for God's grace because after reading through Deuteronomy, there is no way I could ever earn God's love by keeping all the rules. Aren't you glad that because of Jesus, we don't have to keep all the rules? He kept them for us. 
He was perfect where we could not be. That is where we're going today. What started off with 10 simple commandments that God gave to Moses and Moses gave to Israel blossomed and ballooned to over 600 laws by the time Jesus came and died on the cross. And so many of us can find ourselves drifting back into legalism when what God wants for us is to walk in freedom. Galatians chapter 5, verses 1 and following. Look at the scripture with me on your copy or up on the screens. Here's how chapter 5 begins. Paul writes, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. For in Christ, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts, don't miss this, is faith. Expressing itself through love. You were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? You were running a good race. You were doing so good. You were making progress. You were walking in the spirit. And then you kind of got sidetracked. You got sideswiped. You got sucker punched. You got off track. Somebody cut in on you in the middle of your race and convinced you that there was another way besides God's grace. And this is Paul's heart. He came to do business and to show them, I will not tolerate anybody teaching you that you have to earn God's love. It cannot be achieved. It can only be received. That's where we're looking at Galatians 5 today. Now I want to point some things out to you. In this passage that we just read and the entire chapter, we see some things in contrast with each other. We see some things that, that don't go together and we see that there are certain things that are better than others. The first one is this. Love is better than legalism. Now I know that's the greater than sign, but I took pastoral liberties and redefined it for today as the better than sign. Love is better than legalism. And it's the love that God put in us when we got saved that makes us different, that makes us new. Let me show you the difference between legalism and love. See, legalism is a mindset that says if I keep all the rules, if I dress the right way when I go to church, if I don't cuss too much, if I just say I'm sorry when I mess up, I can try my best and work my hardest and do all I can, and I'm going to white-knuckle my way through life, and when I die, if I'm lucky, God might let me in. And I want you to know if that's your mindset, that's bondage. That's a lie. You don't have to wish, hope, wonder, and and, and bet that God will let you in, you can know. But you've got to be delivered from legalism. Legalism is such a bondage to bear because legalism says, here, here is the mindset of legalism. Legalism says, I messed up, my dad's going to kill me. That's the mindset of legalism. I messed up, my dad's going to kill me. And I don't know if any of y'all grew up in a house where like this was used on you, but my mom, master psychologist, 
She barely graduated from high school, but I promise you, that woman was smart. I would get in trouble at school a lot, mostly for fighting. I like to fight. I was raised fighting. I still, in my mind, think I could go into the UFC right now and whoop all of them. I know that's not true, but it's the lie I tell myself. I like to fight. I would fight. I would be too loud. I would get in trouble at school. I would come home. Now, this is old school. I lived in America when parents would, when parents would punish you if you got punished at school. My parents didn't go try to talk the principal or the teacher out of it. My parents were like, oh, really? You punished him? Give us some ideas of how we can double down on him. So I would come home, and my mom would give me a tongue lashing. You shouldn't have done that. You shouldn't have pulled the girl's ponytails. You shouldn't have hit that guy with a baseball bat at recess because he called you a name. You shouldn't have, you know, cheated on the test. I got caught cheating on a Bible test at Shannon Forest Christian School, Benji Merritt. Miss Reinick caught me cheating on a Bible test. I cheated on a memory verse test. I would write the verse on my arm in ink and roll my sleeve up and roll it back down. And I got caught cheating on a Bible verse. I deserve to go to hell. Thank you, Jesus, that you have saved me by your grace. What in the world was I talking about? Oh, yeah, I got in trouble at school. And I would come home and my mom would talk to me. And then my mom would say the dreaded words, the scary words, the fearful words. You had the same dad I had. Wait till your daddy gets home. And I was, all of us, these little kids are laughing right here. I love it, buddy. You laugh as loud as you want to. Even point to your mom if you want. That's totally fine. Totally appropriate here at New Spring. I would immediately begin to pray for the rapture. Jesus, come back right now. That's a mentality, listen, of legalism. I messed up. God's going to get me. I messed up. I guess I'm out. I used to be saved, but I messed up, so now I lost my salvation. I was going to heaven, but now I've, I've slept around a little bit. I've, I've been drunk too many times. I've got this addiction to pills that nobody knows about. I'm looking at porn. I'm struggling in my sexuality. Um, I guess I won't make it. That is the mentality of legalism. Can I tell you what the mentality of love says? Here's what the Bible says. Here's what grace says. Here's what God says. Legalism says, I messed up. My dad's going to kill me. Love says, I messed up. I better call my dad. See, when you know God and you know how good and loving and merciful and kind he is, you're not afraid of him. You long for him. You don't run away from him when you mess up. You run to him when you mess up. You know I can call my dad and my dad will be there for me. I can call my dad and my dad will help me. I can call my dad and my dad He's exactly what I need right now. Let me show you what it says in verses 13 through 18. Paul expounds on this. For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, one commandment. They had 613 of them. Paul says there's only one you need to think about. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. Verse 16, but I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For 
the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are, are against the flesh. Do you feel that? The friction, the tension? For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, this is good news, you are not under the law. If you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Do you see the friction? Do you see the collision that takes place here? Paul wants us to understand that Spirit is better than flesh. Spirit is better than flesh. Do you see that? It's right there in the Scripture. We had an all staff on Thursday in the, at the Greenville campus, all of our staff from all over South Carolina came together and Charlie Betrago was helping lead worship. And Charlie is one of my best friends and I love what Charlie did. He gets up and he's just real honest and real transparent. And he goes, hey everybody, I just gotta let you know, my spirit and my flesh had a fight this morning. Does that ever happen to any of y'all? Any, anybody in Aiken, anybody, any, anybody at Lake Wiley, anybody in Greenville, do you ever have that? I, okay, I grew up Baptist, Presbyterian, and Pentecostal. You've heard me talk about that before. Hanging out with a bunch of old Pentecostal people as a kid, you know what I used to hear them say all the time? I think we need to bring this back. This is a phrase that I want to resurrect, okay? They used to say things like, yeah, I got in the flesh. Anybody ever heard that before? I got in the flesh. You know what that means? I lost it. I told somebody off. I flipped somebody off. I punched somebody out. I kicked somebody in the face. I gave somebody a piece of my mind. I just got all upset, all angry, all mad. When they would say, I would hear my grandfather say this, I got in the flesh, I knew exactly what he was talking about because typically when my parents or my grandparents would say, I got in the flesh, I was there. I witnessed it. I saw them get in the flesh. Here's the thing about getting in the flesh. Everybody take a moment right now. Look at, look at your hands. Look down at your hands. Do it right now, everybody. You see that? That's flesh. <laughs> we don't get in the flesh we are flesh. But the crazy thing is, we are flesh filled with the Spirit. What? We are flesh and bone, broken, imperfect, not God, but God the Holy Spirit inhabits this flesh. This flesh that fights between good and bad. Like my flesh wants a donut, but my spirit says do a squat, so I say no to the donut, and I do this instead, or, or okay, let's, let's be a little more honest, I say no to the second donut, and I do two of these instead, can somebody relate to the struggle, we're all on the struggle bus together, aren't we? But the spirit is better than the flesh. It's one thing to live in our flesh. We have flesh and blood bodies. What Paul is talking about here is a mindset that just does whatever the flesh says to do. Here's why. Our flesh is concerned with performance and presentation. We want to look good. We want to be seen, noticed, respected, honored. That's what our flesh is concerned with. Perform, be successful, get people's attention. Be known. But you know what the Spirit is concerned with? Changing our hearts. The Spirit wants to change your heart. The Spirit wants to help you love people you used to hate, forgive people that you used to hold grudges against. The Spirit wants me to let things go that I've held on to. 
And that is why the spirit is better than the flesh. It's a better way to live. Being led by the spirit is better than being led by the flesh. Because when you're led by the spirit, you're always reacting as God would have you to react. But when you're led by the spirit, you're always acting in ways that hurt other people and give you what you want in the moment. And that's why the gospel is better than the law. That's what this passage is all about, the entire book of Galatians. The gospel is better than the law. Now, I don't know if you are a rule keeper or a rule breaker naturally in life. I am married to a rule keeper. We went to the Clemson game yesterday, and I had a parking pass, and the parking lot was full. Well, I'm in a four-wheel drive vehicle, so I'm just looking for anywhere. I'm like, I can park right there. I can park right there. I can climb that tree in this truck and park right there. I'm a rule breaker. My wife is a rule follower. What if you get towed? What if they put a ticket? I'm like, if they're, if they're a police officer, there's a good chance I know them because of Newspring, and we're probably friends. I'll just smile, and I'll, I'll just, you know, beg for mercy. It doesn't matter if you're naturally a rule breaker or a rule follower. We're all different. The bottom line is the gospel says something better than what the law says. The law says, um, you know what, you've got to be perfect, but... But the law in itself shows us our inability to be perfect. It's like a mirror that reflects back to us the reality that we can't keep all the rules. So the law is not bad. It's just not enough. Can I say that again? The law isn't bad. God's law is not bad. But the Jewish law just wasn't enough. It wasn't sufficient. The gospel shows us our need for Jesus. That's what the gospel does. In every part of your life where you're broken and you can't do it, God can. In every part of my life where I'm sinful and insecure and selfish, Jesus convicts me and changes me from the inside out by his Holy Spirit. In every area of my life and your life where you're tempted to hate somebody else, be angry at somebody else, hold a grudge against somebody else, the Spirit of God helps us love one another. It is literally what Galatians 5 is all about. So if you want to know what's leading you, the spirit or the flesh, the gospel or the law, love or legalism, if you want to know what's leading you, just look at your life. It's the best way to know. Just look at your life. Just observe your life. And if you have a hard time like me seeing your own life, you can ask a trusted friend or a spouse or a family member to help you look at your own life. As a matter of fact, the last half of Galatians 5 is all about this. I've taken the liberty to lift two lists straight from Galatians chapter 5. And for your convenience, I have placed them. I say I have placed them. I, don't, I wouldn't know how to place them on the screens if my life depended on it. But smarter people at New Spring have done this for us. Would you turn your attention now to the screens? And I want to show you the list. You want to know what's leading your life? Look at your life. Just look at it. There are acts of the flesh and there are fruits of the spirit. Can we, can we talk about these for a moment? I'm going to go down this list of acts of the flesh. Sexual immorality. I want to pause right here and say, if you're, if you're cheating on your spouse and you're committing adultery right now at one of our campuses, I love you enough to tell you, repent. It will never go well for you. It's a sin, and sin has consequences. You can repent today. You don't have to walk out of here with that heavy burden. Impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, 
Okay, pause. I had a conversation this week with a family member of mine who told me that seven years ago, a woman spoke a curse over her. This woman was a fortune teller, but what she was really doing was practicing witchcraft. And for the last seven years, this family member of mine has carried around a heavy darkness, a burden on her shoulders. And she believes every time she has a flat tire, every time her kid gets sick, every time the AC goes out, when there was a hole in her roof, she believes for seven years that every bad thing that happened to her was a result of some evil demonic presence that's been following her because a woman practicing witchcraft spoke that over her, but she lied to her and said, this is a gift that God gave me, and I'm just going to look into the future and tell you your fortune. And that was a lie. And I want to speak something right here. I want to take a minute. I want to take a minute. We don't talk about this stuff a lot at New Spring, but I want you to know, your leaders at New Spring, we believe in spiritual warfare. We believe the devil is real. We believe the devil is powerful, but we believe he loses to Jesus because Jesus is king and Satan is a counterfeit. We believe in demons. We, believe, we don't believe that when people die, they go to hell and become demons or go to heaven and become angels. We believe that when people die, they go to heaven or they go to hell and they live forever based on the decision that they made. I don't believe that Satan is equal with God. I believe that Satan is real and he is trying everything he can to do right now, kill, steal, and destroy every one of us. We're working on a series right now coming up in the future on spiritual warfare. You do not want to miss that. But what I want to speak to right now with authority from the word of God is that some of you have been under some sort of witchcraft because you dabbled in it, you messed around at a party, played with a Ouija board, you got curious, you opened up your life to the demonic, I want to say this clearly, if you are a Christian, you cannot be possessed by a demon. So get those images of the exorcist, that movie where that girl's head spun around and she spit pea soup out of her mouth, that, that's Hollywood. But I'm telling you, the devil is real. If you're a Christian, you cannot be possessed by an evil spirit. But if you're a Christian and you open your life up to the demonic, they will take that invitation and they will set up camp. They'll pitch a tent in your life and they will do everything they can to hurt you. Because listen, oh, I, I think I am going to stay here for a minute. Listen, because Satan, if you're a Christian, he cannot steal your eternal life. That is secure in Jesus. He can't have it. But he can wreck your abundant life. And some of you have been walking for years under that darkness. And right here, right now, I think I'm supposed to, I think I'm supposed to just, uh, yeah, I'm supposed to give an invitation right now for some of y'all. There are people right now on our campuses. You know who you are. I don't feel this very often. When I feel it, I know it. And I'd rather die than disobey. So I'm going to ask you right now, I'm going to pause. I don't know where this is going to go or how long it this is going to take. Can you close your eyes right now at every campus? I sense this. Satan hates being exposed. He loves the darkness. But in the name of Jesus, some of you know that you have been under some sort of witchcraft or demonic oppression. And I'm going to invite you right now, if that's you, keep your eyes closed at every campus. Raise your hand right now if you need prayer right now to be set free from that. Raise them up. Raise them up. There are, there's hands in this room. I want to pray for you. 
right where you are if, at every campus, if you have been under some, some of this that I've talked about, this heavy darkness and weight, I want you to whisper this prayer out loud to Jesus right now. You don't have to say it loudly, but enough where, where you know you're saying it with your mouth. Say this, Jesus Christ, I know you are Lord. I reject the enemy. I resist the devil. I commit my way to you, Jesus. Liberate me from the darkness. I am completely yours. Satan has no power over me. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, we're not done, but can we celebrate the power of God over the enemy right now? We're not done. We're not done. I got a few minutes left. Let's keep going down the list. Put the list back up there. I'm going to try to do this as quickly as I can. Let's get that list back up there, the works of the flesh and the spirit. Okay, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage. Have you driven down 85 lately or 95 lately or 26 lately? This spirit is alive in the earth. Selfish ambition, dissensions, faction, envy, drunkenness. Uh, I'm going to speak to a few of these. Hatred, discord, dissensions, and factions. Can I, can I have a minute? This is the spirit of the age. This is a spirit of, of the devil. And what has broken my heart over the last 18 months is to see how hatred, discord, dissensions, and factions have infiltrated the body of Christ. And I want to speak to it, and I want to do it with clarity and also with love. It is not God's will that God's children divide friendships, end relationships, and stop speaking to one another because they disagree about issues that are secondary and not primary. We may have different opinions about masks and vaccines and politics and presidents and prime ministers and princes and powers and principalities. Those are secondary issues to what we believe about the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to speak this and impart this to our church, that we will be a church marked by love, not by dissension and factions. And I, it just, it's time for us to put Jesus on the throne, to make Jesus the pinnacle. We can disagree. It's okay. I disagree with myself four or five times a day. It's okay if you disagree with your brother or your sister about these kinds of issues, but it's not of the Spirit to break fellowship with them, to leave the church over these things, to just walk away and say, well, you hurt my feelings. I don't like what you believe. I'm out. That is what the devil wants you to do. He wants to divide us, and the Spirit of God wants to unite us and give us these fruits. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And might I just suggest, I just want to own the moment, might I suggest that 
If you and I are listening to this list and we find ourselves getting offended, angry, a little hurt, that might be the very place the Spirit of God is trying to convict us. To say, stop living that way. There's a better way to live. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. These are the fruits of the Spirit. So can I ask you a question? What is leading you? What is leading me right now? My flesh or the Holy Spirit? What's leading me? I can look at these lists and I can see. I can look at the scripture and it's a mirror into my soul. And I want you to trust the leaders of your church that we're going to preach the Bible even when it's hard. And we're going to open up the scriptures and we're going to lovingly shepherd all of us together as the sheep of God's pasture to live a life marked by his presence, filled with the spirit, not made righteous by the law or by legalism, but just by the good news of the love and the grace of the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is no other gospel but that one. It's our only hope. There is no other hope. It's plan A. There is no plan B. It's the only ship that's going to take us there. It's the only way we're going to be saved, by the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I've got good news for you today, sister, and I've got good gospel news for you today, brother. Whatever you brought in here with you today, whatever kind of itis or ish you brought in with you, you know what you can do? You can walk away free. You can walk away liberated today. You don't have to walk out under the heavy yoke and the burden of trying to get it right. Jesus got it right for you. Oh, my God, help us, Jesus, right now in this moment, God, to lay down those heavy burdens. We don't have to be perfect, Jesus. You are perfect, and we get to, we get to receive that gift. So I'm going to invite you right now with your eyes closed and your hearts open. Aren't you ready to be free? Aren't you ready to Galatians 5, 1, your own life? Aren't you ready to have a better way to live? It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. So do not put yourself under a bondage, under the slavery of sin again, under the kind of weight of legalism. Aren't you ready for that? I know you are. And if you are, I want to invite you to pray and receive Christ right now. Some of you need to recommit your life. You need to do, to do business with God. We're going to open up the stages at the altar at every campus here in a moment. But some of you right here, right now, you need to be born again. You need to be saved. You can walk away from all those heavy burdens, and you can take Jesus as your Savior and Lord. And if that's you, do it right now. I'm going to tell you how. I'm going to tell you how to do it. Jesus has already done it for you. You simply have to receive it and invite him in. So pray to him right now and invite him in. He is listening. Pray this to him in your heart if you mean it. Jesus, please save me. Please save me right now. I need you in my life. I repent of my sin. I open my heart to you. I trust you. I put my faith in you. And I give you control. You are Lord. And now I'm yours. Would you keep your eyes closed, please?
I can only see this room, but I want to ask, if you just prayed to receive Christ, if you just asked him to save you, first of all, I want to say congratulations. You have no idea how much better your life is about to become. It already is. The second thing I want to do with your eyes closed and your hearts open, I want to ask you just to stir faith. We've already seen 107 people respond today. If you just prayed that prayer, I'm looking, nobody else is, except maybe your campus pastor, but would you raise your hand? Would you just raise your hand right now? If you just prayed that prayer to Jesus, just raise it up. I want you to get up high. I want to see it in this room. Raise your hand up really high, and I want you to keep it up for a moment so that I can see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen. Everybody open your eyes. Just in this room. Just in this room, 17 of you just responded to the good news of the gospel. Here's what I'm going to ask everyone at every campus to do right now. Let's all get on our feet together, all of us. And I'm going to pray, and the band is going to lead us in worship. And here's what I want to do. We've seen the Spirit begin to move us as a church, and I'm loving it. We call this the altar, the front part of your campus. There's a stage with people on it, and then there's like a dip off, a drop off, and then there's some carpet or a floor. That's just a stage. But when you come and bring your soul to God there, it becomes an altar. And so while I'm praying, I'm going to invite people to begin to come to the altar and pray. If you need prayer, some of the stuff I mentioned, the list, the witchcraft, the, the, the factions, the anger, drunkenness, debauchery, maybe those are some things that you need someone to pray with you or you just need to come and bring it to the Lord. Altar's open. Maybe you gave your life to Jesus and you're one of the many that responded. The altar's open for you. When I begin to pray, you can come and you can find you a spot on your campus and you can get on your knees or on your face or you can stand with your hands lifted and you can get before the Lord and thank Him that there is a better way to live. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that people would begin to move to altars all across the state of South Carolina as we sing and as we worship you. Thank you that you have set us free from this yoke, this heavy weight, and you've liberated us with the power of the gospel. In Jesus' name we pray and we believe. Amen.